The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Things up for a Work on 
know, try to really identify funding sources and you know to the extent that we can support this through, through rates and so that that uh, more work is needed on that and we're kind of engaged in that work. I just, I mean, I briefly answered the town with questions. I mean, but are there, and some of them seem to be good comments. Are anything fatal in there, or is just something you can work with? Well, I think, yeah, I think it's something we can definitely work with. I think some of the challenges, you know, really, um, and kind of just summarizing over some of the, the legal opinion that was prepared and put in, in the original report was that through rates is a bit of a challenge and you know there's some ways to make that um, easier you know one of those would be avoid the people um, and there are some other concepts put in it usually you know water utilities don't go after most of the people for these types of things and given our regional structure that could be rather complex um, you know, perhaps like accounting or something, um, which also brings into the notion of, you know, how do you control a county voter and whether they can vote on that item because they may or may not have water support. So it, it's a really, it's really messy really quick. Another aspect or approach was to make a business case scenario or a business case model that demonstrates given facts that it would be a prudent business decision to have the water board program funded at the rate we, we see support. Um, we think we can make that case. We think we can demonstrate that um, that saves staff time, that saves you know crew resource time, crew resource management, and that we can better apply those dollars uh, from a business model standpoint. So that's kind of some of the next steps that we're going to be working on. Santex can be helping support that. Any other thoughts on this? We 
not going to go through every comment we have. No, no. Just, sure. Here's what the question, you know, is it anything that could stop it? Are we not seeing that? We're looking for a. We don't need to take any action, guys. No, we're not looking uh, for any formal action. We just want to make you know, sure the EDC got all the current information as we continue to step through this work of water affordability. Um, you know, when we get to a point where you know, we're ready to implement a decision that would impact rates. Uh, we'll definitely bring that forward for another check. Um, and there's, you know, obviously great components that goes to the commission, but there's also like the policy components of this that we'd like to finalize and bring to the commission that also, you know, allow us to stop at EPC before then. Um, just a reminder of timing the report does have to be finalized and sent to Eagle before March. Uh, so we're, we're working towards that goal. There may be things in there that are left a little open. Um, and then it's our goal to implement this program, at least begin to implement this program in 2024. Any other questions or we'll continue on to the next item? Water connections, extensions, and fees. Uh, we're very close on that. Um, Connection with the uh, structure. Um, probably start talking to Jimmy's on that in the next month or so in terms of and of the implementation of it. Any questions? Any introductions on this item? Yeah, I can go through it. Okay. All right. So, um, everybody should have, and I believe we have it on the website, a program listing of our capital program. Um, it's broken out into a few different categories, larger categories. Those are water, storage, and pumping, that's our station, and the booster station, pumping station, as well. This is that. We've got some CIA. Identifiers within that. We then have water infrastructure, which is broadly speaking, you know, water main type projects. Um, we then have flood services, which is only kind of listing or group of projects. We have water general capital, which is 
Um, similar to like general plan or facility, uh, we also have some a specific scanner or software policies as well. The overall total program is around $60 million for 2023. 20 million of that are DWRF. So you know, if you look at about 40 million, we generally only look to fund about 80% capital. Uh, so that would be about $30 million that we would look to fund of this program. Um, do I have you to look to fund, meaning bond for it or cash flow it or bond and cash? Yeah, so generally speaking, because the projects often will have a longer implementation schedule than what's shown, uh, some projects may not get off the ground either uh, as identified or entirely. Uh, some projects may be delayed in the acquisition of the factor. So there's all these factors that come into play. And so we kind of categorize that concept as capital variance. So we recognize for you know, every $10 million of capital that we show on paper, we're likely uh, to enter into construction contracts with approximately 80% or 8 million of that okay. on an annual basis. Um, so just kind of walking through that, that would put us at about $30 million that we need to fund through bonds or, you know, uh, direct uh, retained earnings or something like that nature. Uh, some of these projects, uh, we did increase that variance a little bit on uh, because of the long duration lead times for um, uh, watering the Douglock pipe. Uh, so some of these we had, um, you know, a bit of a dynamic variance for some of the people the individual projects to decide where we're at. So the bond sizing for, for this year really isn't anything different than we've done in years past. Um, you know, just given all those factors. So I, I think uh, it's important to realize this, some of these projects are going to be either delayed or they're going to be slow to get off the ground for a number of factors. Yeah. Can you reference the DWRF classes as grant money? So uh, DWRF projects, they may include some grant dollars within them. A lot of times it's Package as principal forgiveness. So we have to essentially bond for it, and then those bonds are forgiven. It's just a little bit of a different process versus just a straight grant. Um, this year's projects with this first one agree, all that $20 uh, million dollars. So it's approximately 15 to $1 million are have been announced with principal forgiveness. So that's essentially a $15 million grant uh, that, that we are receiving, which that's that's a huge number. That's something to be really proud of. And that is competitive. So we are competing with um, every other community that's applying for projects in the state of Michigan. Um, you know, many communities are facing the same lead service line replacement challenges we can do. So that would uh, that would have a pretty substantial impact on needed additional rate increases. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Going forward. Yeah, 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 certainly. I mean, you take $15 million out of the rate base for out the table. That's, yeah. That is very valuable. That's great. Are these, so I see that we're $25 million, $60 million, $60 million, $60 million. 
pertaining to my office is going to get spent. And some of it may be personal forgiveness. Is that the plan? The Park and Spanjack are looking at when they're going to approve the latest right so when we consider the uh, fiscal year 2023 rate increase that was you know, supported by UBC passed our city commission and scheduled to go in effect on January 1st we took uh what we can do from the capital program from last year and the overall kind of zoomed out five-year look which is pretty typical of what we still have in front of us the 60 million that you see on paper here is a bit of a spike, but keep in mind, you know, 15 of that is grant, and then kind of that discussion I had of how we fund capital would keep that in line with previous years. So there's nothing that we're seeing right now with the capital program that would, you know, be materially different than some assumptions that we made back uh, when we put the rate packages together. So in 2023, have you already did all, all this work? No. Uh, so the older budgets. The work for 2023, um, some of that is going to be, this is a office center's new project. So a lot of this stuff would be fit out starting in January and in February. Um, some of this stuff, the big uh, water main projects uh, that are shown, like Whitey's Road, Ransom Road. Westnitch, those are all designed and you know, in the process of getting it out there, not on the street right now. 33rd Street Water Main, that's a that's an older project, but that that has been bid out. So some of these, you know, we almost have to go down the list and tell you what, what has been bid out, what hasn't been bid out, what's in design. But are you gonna have trouble with contractors at all? That's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. So that that, that is and that's part of why we're we're taking um, and they'll be funding, you know, something south of, of 30 million, something close to 25. Recognizing that this is a lot of work. Uh, there is also supply chain challenges that uh, we're facing. One of the things that we've done to combat that is we've taken all the water main, just the pipe, we pulled it out of all these projects, and we fit that out separately. So the city has uh, already bid out and awarded over seven and a half miles of water main, uh, amounting to about six million dollars in just pipe. And that is now it's on order and we've got our orders placed. We'll get it when we get it. So the advantage of that is that we don't have to wait for this project to go all the way through the bid cycle, you know, which may put us in uh, April or March or you know, perhaps even May. We've already have those orders placed. Uh, so the goal here is that that double iron pipe um, should show up on the job site, so to speak, when the rest of the, the contract is done working. You know, we've been doing that with electrical equipment, and it's still extending out a year before you can get certain pieces of equipment. Yes. Is the uh, the lead service line? That's pretty much. You have some people, and they they know this is what what you're going to be doing. That's not really a, a bid. You know what I mean? It's it's pretty much this is what's going to happen. You think? 
Yeah, no, we still we still have to edit out. Um, it still goes through that process. Um, there's also the fact that one of the people, you know, people have certain standards that you got to meet. Cities, it's all met by city standards of purchasing policy and bidding everything else. Um, there are you know, one dominant contractor that does most of the services, but there are also we got surprised last year where an out of state contractor came in was actually able to be very competitive and took the contract. Um, there's also a few other local contractors that are starting to show interest in it that have been submitting bids. Okay. Um, so there remains competition on that on that work. Um, and, but you're right, there is a strong local presence that is going to continue to, to so that so that's really not going to be delayed. That's going to be happening pretty much. That should be. However, uh, we ran into a problem in 2022 this year getting what we call the brass, the uh, brass fittings that kind of connect to the water main to the copper pipe. Um, there's about uh, I forget the number. There's a, there's a whole host of fittings, the corporation stock, valve, things like that that are called brass. We get those from. Uh, for uh, ironworks, they're a small foundry, but they're you know, pretty dominant in, in the U.S. So we actually got to a point where we could not get parts, and so uh, April, May, and June, we installed zero lead service while we were waiting for parts. Um, luckily, our contractor placed a big enough order that when the order was finally fulfilled, they were able to go out and do the work. Um, but that was not without frustration and some other challenges. We uh, had lost a lot of opportunity with street coordinations. Uh, so there was at least one street in particular, Stewart, that uh, got paid and it's not going to be blood services replaced until next year. And there's some other acute challenges that we're seeing with uh, these delays where when we usually have a full construction season, we can coordinate in where we're doing all the work. If one element gets completely delayed all the way to the end, but we still have to do that work, then there is going to be some challenges with that. So we, we did experience that this last year. This project, we are pushing towards uh, Q3. So we're going to implement and start the lead service line replacement job in the third quarter uh, with the goal of procuring everything up front as soon as possible. Understand there's going to be some delays with that, and that you know could even work. So we we are still seeing those fixed points in the supply chain, um, and it sometimes it surprises us on what materials are suddenly in the shortage, and you know just trying to continue to be flexible and still get this work done. You know, with the problems. And I realized I skipped public comment, so I'm going to take public comment now.
There's also another extension of phase two, and I'm not sure those will be posted until phase one, but that's also not on this list. So if you could go get with you and figure out something about that, that would be Thanks, Mark. Another public comment. With the, that, uh, that those ex, those expansions, those have within the contract. I think there is some criteria, right? As far as how to recoup those costs, or yeah, who pays for it? That's exactly right. So it's something that folks need to discuss or consider going forward. Within the contract, there are there are some criteria about how do you recoup the costs of expansion. I think that's what you're doing is expanding. It, it should probably be discussed. Sir. Okay, I'm not agreeing. Okay. So perhaps we should maybe at a future meeting understand what you're doing, where you're going with pipe or what have you, and determine if anything we need to do. Reasonable. I see one hand shaking. It seems like we once once the system gets the information, then we'll be able to be in a position to bring that to the yeah, UPC yeah. to say, okay, here's the project and here's the expense and yeah. here's a recommendation as to how it's handled. Right. And I guess it's more just an engineering question, but we get We'll see. Okay. Uh, that that might be something. Yeah. Yeah, we've got city commission awarded. We've got a PO in place. We've got six million dollars on the table, and we're being told sixty weeks. That's just one on the table. Right. I I respect that. Or, you know, ordering and getting pipe on deck and having an engineer drawn is different. Yeah, I think Okay. Let me, let me First, I want to thank Peter for breaking up our official seating arrangement. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had to do it. I was going to do it. <laughs> A couple of quick questions, James. It's, uh, just on the category of funded by contributions and aid of capital. Yeah. You know, and say Big Rock in particular. So, what's the mechanics of how that works exactly? So, contribution and aid is, is just our general scheme for some other entity is providing funds source for that. And, and that could be a township themselves, it could be um, a KO land builder, the KO Sense. And then on the lead service, so you know, if we look at the whole spreadsheet we've got here, which gets to you know 95 million by the end of 2047, that that 
by then will be our full contribution specifically related to lead service line replacement by the end of 27. So uh, as it's shown, uh, the project is really like the encumbrance schedule that the project will probably carry out through 2028 or 2029. But essentially, yes, sir, you're, you're correct in that. That's the goal to have everything you know, complete by, by that time. I mean, is that a full? Are we done? Or we got years and years to go? We should be. That, that should be pretty close to done. So, just an overall status update. Um, to date, as of November 30th, we've replaced 4,018 lead service lines in the system. To date, kind of going all the way back. We started at about 10,000. Um, so we have just under 6,000, you know, to go. And you know, this these projects kind of moves along pretty quickly in that large neighborhood chunks to, to get that work done. We should, we're on schedule to hit the halfway point, so we should hit 5,000 replacements uh, sometime within 2024, either beginning of 2024 if we're continuing to be aggressive or if our uh, schedule falters a little bit, it should be towards the end of 2024. But in 2024, we should be halfway done with all that service line replacements. This schedule that you have in front of you looks to continue that progress and complete everything um, as the uh, mayor stated and kind of towards the end of 2027, uh, 2028, that any factor struggle. There's a few reasons for being that aggressive. Uh, one of those is that we're learning, uh, Mr. Escamilla can attest to this, things are not going to get cheaper in the future. So if we continue to wait and push this out into 2037, we're closer, not saving any money. Uh, so if we can get this work done now, then it's an advantage of us. The other aspect of that is that we're packaging these projects and going after these are all programs EWR, EWSR. We're packaging these programs together and applying for larger state federal dollars. We don't do that for little itty bitty project areas. We're not going to package a big project and submit for state funding for three streets. It's just not worth it. We're going to package these as large projects and, and do it together. Another aspect for perhaps more technical in nature and related to public health is that in 2025, the action level for lead drops from 15, where it is now, to 12. And if you look at Kalamazoo's history, we've had several years where we're at 12 or above. We need to get the lead out now before we get to 12, because if we get to 12, Kalamazoo will be a in a lead action level C, it would be a lead action level C, which that's our goal not to be. And you know, there's many things we're doing on the treatment side, we're reducing treatment at our stations, we're implementing hotspots program control, but the only way to get rid of lead is we've got to get the lead out of the ground. So, folks, We need a motion on this. It, it says on the agenda a recommendation to approve the 23 capital improvement plan. Would that be four? This, this plan is running in the fiscal year 23. Okay. It's a five year plan. Okay, so the whole plan, not like right, the whole plan is a five year plan. Yeah. Our understanding that 
you know, well, I guess we, we would like to get UBC support on this. Usually, this you get support for capital improvement plans before we do the review. Uh, just, you know, just go with But yeah, um, a little bit backwards this year. Um, that being said, I still think it's important that we have UBC guidance that we put on um, the capital functions and we're going to have to take it again. And this plan can be, you've said it kind of tails out because they're getting materials or just because of delays or whatever that is. But at any time, this could be modified. Correct. Right. You know, the plan is you know, officially part of the city budget yep. process and cycle. It's, you know, opened up every single year. Um, even within the year, there's opportunities to go back for adjustments. Um, there's also, you know, the ability of a, of a project completely crashes and burns, you know, entirely. We can kind of disinvest that project and reinvest the dollars in the rest of the capital program. Um, that's a possibility. There's also, uh, depending on amounts, there is some cushion. You know, there's some land and capital contingency codes that, you know, if something were to happen on any particular project or a new project need. Was identified in midstream, there's some ability for the plan to absorb that. Well, for purposes of discussion, which we've already been engaging in anyway, I was going to say I'll make a motion to approve this. And then we can have a period of discussion about specifics on this. And would we then also ask for public comment prior to actually taking a vote? Or what would be our protocol on that? Yeah, we haven't really established that. I mean, I'm used to every item we ask for public comment. Yeah. Um, often it's before a motion, but. Yes. <clears throat> exactly. So if you would want support for that, and then we would have our discussion. Sure. I would support approval of the plan. So that was a motion? Motion and support. Okay. So we have a motion and support for a recommendation to approve the fiscal year 2023 capital improvement plan. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, talk any further details? Mm -hmm. One, just one process uh, point, just to make sure everybody understands too. This this system, uh, the water improvement plan, the capital improvement plan for the water system, goes into City of Kalamazoo's overall capital improvement program, and so that's coming up for the official adoption in January. So is it, we're still going through that process here of coming to the UPC first, having the discussion, and then uh, the formal adoption by the city commission is the third Monday in January. So. Just just so what we understand, you would uh, you you approve a budget in like December, and then you do the capital in January, or is that capital in January for the next year, or? No, usually they're all done at the same time. Okay. So the, the budget gets drafted this time of year because we're on a camp, the city camp. Yeah, yeah, right, right. That's why I wondered about January. It doesn't get approved until yeah. three weeks into the year. Okay. Right. Okay. I just wanted. By charter, yeah. we have until the end of January to do it. Okay. So we could be a 12th of the way into our fiscal year before we actually approve the budget. Yeah. 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 James, could you just explain a little what the general capital is, the water general? There's just, it's 
not a huge number, but like two and a half million for general capital program and then the antenna tower. I was just curious. Yeah, so the, the general capital is kind of, uh, you know, for the accountant in the room, that's, that's like general plans. Uh, so it's things that are, you know, maybe not one particular asset that's doing something or making something rigid that's making something. It's kind of the overall, top of the all support of all the assets. Um, it's also where we put a lot of facilities improvements, things like you see a roof replacement on there. Um, that could go up into uh, some of the other project areas, but if you look at the uh, pumping and station improvements, those are all specific to the process more or less. So we wrote this one out and show that as general capital because it's more like a facilities upkeep. Um, we also have um, so two road replacements, uh, the water general capital program, which is just a light item for facilities items, and then the mobile SCADA antenna tower. Uh, that's just going to be so that's the mobile items that are at stations themselves, and that's just a one one year we'll get that wrapped up. Uh, they move to the bigger SCADA. So if you may have some of you may have seen, um, I know Jerry's aware of it because we're putting a tower on his uh, uh, township property there, but we've got, we call it kind of like state of backbone. It's on most water towers, and sometimes it's a tower that sits by itself, and they're eight to hundreds of towers. They're kind of beaming all that SCADA information back to our treatment facility in Harrison. We then have smaller stations or stations that are in other areas that have to beam their signal to one of those towers. Um, and then so that's kind of what that project uh, would do is just support that, you know, continued network of, of SCADA. And uh, Lucidity, can you explain what that is? I've, ex I've experienced it. Yeah. But I'm not sure anyone else would. <laughs> yeah. So, so Lucidity, that's our uh, essentially a computerized asset management software system. So, work orders and, uh, you know, maintenance history are going into there. Lucy is unique in that it also, also holds all the asset um, attributes. So things of, of like, if it's a pipe, it'll tell you what year the pipe was built, what diameter the pipe is, you know, how many feet long it is. So the individual asset attributes are all in there in Lucy. And then as we maintain, um, you know, respond to things, it's in there as well. We're also, uh, we're just starting a, a lot of work with GIS, Blue City, and then also kind of our next step is to have a few things, GPS, pull GPS information into that, then ultimately our goal is to pull the payroll information in there. The end goal, and then we've got a lot of sites to get there, but the end goal is to be able to go to any asset attribute within the system and then be able to get a report, click on it, or get information from it. That would tell you all the work order repair history, including you know whether or not James drove out there in his pickup truck, and you know if he had Burger King for lunch. It just tell you everything about everything. That's our goal um, to get there, um, and this is part of that continued work to update. Thank you. And then the, I believe previously you had requested that the townships provide uh, their capital plan to you by the end of 23. Is, is any of that received already and in, incorporated here? So some, some, of the, some of that has been, um, there's some 
I know we've got a lot of stuff with Comstock Township that we're we're working through. Um, we've got some items that we're aware of in some of the other uh, townships, and um, you know, even like Abbey Farms, that was an outsizing project that's impacted me here as well. Um, but that you know, that work is continuous, and you know, we're also looking at larger long-range plans. You know, that would tie in with the township master plans that I think you know Mr. Weeds working on with his engineering team. So um, as we get that information, we'll be putting that into the capital program as well. But this what this front of you represents kind of what we've got to date and we're ready to execute. Yeah. Just one little question, James, about details. So as far as the operating that ends up in capital, which is the last category, right? We call it operating. Yes, yep. And so of course operating, you know, is often it's an expense item often. So how what portion of the operating ends up in capital? How does that okay? So this is a very small detail, but you know, it's still we show 1.5 million dollars. These are our 979 codes. And 979 codes are kind of um, you know, it's kind of like the uh, wild card dealer's choice on you need to make the purchase, you make the purchase, and then at the end of the year, the accounts are going to look at that and they're going to either expense it, they're going to push it off over to the OM side, or they're going to take them and they're going to capitalize them together as a group. The 1.5 million that's shown water distribution, that's for meters, water. So these are some, you know, getting folks who participate in some of our technical work group. So there are some arguments that have been made to say like, you know, hey James, a water meter, I mean, that's like 200 bucks a piece. What's the what, what, why are we capitalizing that? Right. Well, if we look at 42,000 water meters and 200 bucks a piece, uh, plus, you know, 1,500 bucks for install, the number gets pretty big. Right. And the point capitalized becomes, you know, um, pretty clear. So that's something that may not be apparent when we're buying one meter, uh, but maybe more apparent when we're buying a lot of meters and it may be taken into consideration when we're looking across the entire department. Other things that are commonly purchased within these 979 codes are tools, um, intermediate equipment, things like uh, you know, like a, a twelve thousand uh, dollar machine or something like that. Uh, vehicles uh, may often be looked at. And so we code it with 979, make the purchase, and at the end of the year, the accounts are going to look at You know, James, that you know that really wasn't anything you know, expense that, or we think we're going to hold out of this, and we've been buying a lot of this. With uh, and Peter knows with infrastructure, the threshold on capitalization, any amount we capitalize a dollar with this infrastructure, uh, but there is some. Opinion and schools of thought on how that's best done. I'll leave that to Peter, uh, but that's just some some history behind what's happened in those codes. Yeah, I'm just I guess I would just state the obvious too to all. This is a big driver of what the rates are. Yeah, yeah. So operations are 20 million, and we're saying 60 or 40 or 30. A big part of making the system top. Quality or as effective and efficient as possible.
puts us in a better place to say, okay, what is capital really looking like going into 24? And we're making modest adjustments or approvals at that point um, to impact the rate going into 24, if I, if I have that correct. No, that's that great clarification. Yeah. Uh, just one last comment on the, on the funding sources. Uh, you talked about the, the loan forgiveness that we got the $20 million, which is just amazing. Um, but just, just to remind the group too, you know, the city council is also just every day looking for other federal state funding sources that are coming from all these different programs that are going on now that we might be eligible to bring money into the water system or wastewater system on that side of it. Um, so we're still pursuing those beyond the, the DWRF and uh, an example is, you know, the $1 million earmark we got from uh, Representative Upton to add toward the lead line program. So that, that was another $1 million grant, if you would. Did I miss something? Yeah. <laughs> so there's a motion and, a, and support. Um, any further discussion? All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 7-0. Item D, status of rate consultant pre-approval, is that completed? I believe that's completed. Um, from everything that I've seen, Mr. Bowman should have everything he needs. Um, the next step, if you can see his request, then Mr. Bojan can be put in there. So, as far as we can see, uh, ready may just come and verify with Mr. Beauchamp. So he's, you know, telling me the same thing, but uh, we believe everything is good. Okay, so we can take that off the agenda next time. I yes. Okay. Item seven new business, utility financial policy and proposed updates. No. B, professional services. Invoice approvals. I move approval of invoice uh, $630 from Vice and Associates approval payment. There's a motion uh, by David, support by Tom to approve the Vice invoice. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstention. Anyone abstention? That motion carries. Six to six to zero and one abstention. Okay. And over approval payment of prime and new off invoice for the amount of $427.20. I'll support that. Motion by David, supported by John. Approve the Pride and Newhoff invoice. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstention. Motion carries six to zero and one abstention. I move approval the Raider L. Hefner LLC invoice amount of $1,103.13. I'll support that. Motion by David, support by John. Approve the Greenville Hafner invoice. All those in favor? 
received a violation notice on November. That violation notice alleges that we failed to report nitrate at our station three sampling parameters. So we looked into that and we sample a whole host of parameters at all stations and distribution sites. The chain of custody that sends that, those sets of samples off to the lab, we use a private lab for nitrate. The box did not get checked to run nitrate. So that was a human error. We didn't sample that on that sample run. We immediately came back and resampled to verify that we're in compliance with nitrate. The MCL, the maximum contaminant level for nitrate is 10 milligrams per liter. Our station tested at 0.28. So we're well below orders of magnitude below the MCL. We've got over 16 years of data at that station. Never any nitrate concerns at that station. We issued a response back to Eagle on November 18th, detailing what happened and what our steps are, corrective action to prevent that from happening again. So we've taken another look at policy, we've updated institutional controls within our contract lab. So they are also have our sampling protocols. So regardless of what's checked on the chain of custody, that they know if they get a set of samples, this is what has to happen. And if that's not lined up with the chain of custody, you need to call our environmental program manager and verify why these two aren't, you know, reconciling and take action on that. This is considered a tier three violation by Eagle. Tier three violations require written notice to everybody in the system within one year. We plan to meet that requirement by sending everybody in the system a copy of the CCR, the annual consumer confidence report. We will issue that for 2022, July 2023, and we can mail that out to everybody and put language in there to detail this violation, notice what happened, what we're doing about it. And that would meet the requirement. If we don't use the CCR to do it, we would have to send a separate letter out to everybody. It's our, you know, really it's our opinion that this is a good opportunity to get a CCR in everybody's hands. There's a lot of positive information in that CCR that can be very helpful. So we can kind of kill two birds with one stone, so to speak. You know, we can meet that public notice requirement, but also have something beneficial and tangible folks can take and use in their day-to-day lives and sample lives. Thank you. Any questions? One question for you. The state eagle identifying this as something that didn't occur or what have you. Do you, how do they get that information? Is that something you submit to them or do they audit you or? Right, so we self-report continuously, you know, every month we send MORs and DMRs. MORs are monthly operating reports, summary of everything that happened that month. And then the DMR is a daily rundown of everything that's happening in that month. So within all those required submittals, there's essentially one box where nitrate is all sort of at. 
And then, you know, once we see that, we would self-report that as, you know, depending on what happened, you know, lab, sampling error, equipment error, what happened, why then was that not sure. there? And then they responded with the violation. Even though it was a minor oversight, they still make you jump through hoops. Yeah, there. Unfortunately, there's there. Depending on how you look at it, um, there was a time when there was some discretion amongst agencies, and there was some reasonableness applied to, you know, hey, what is this? What's your 16 year history of, you know, never even probably detect that nitrate? You want to sample with a 0.28 and CLS 10. We're we're moving beyond that. It's letter of the law. It's every single thing. Violation only secure offense for every single. You know, if we get off, we call outside the line even slightly. <laughs> violation only. There's, there's, there's no um, discretion of this. Do we find what comes with that? Or is it just the corrective action? Uh, just to be corrected, so and where we're at right now, we're not in fine territory. If we fail to produce the public opinion, uh, it's really kind of how we act in the next steps that's going to find. So usually before fines are escalated enforcement, um, there's usually also an opportunity for us to work possibly with legal if we were having challenges doing so. Fines are usually a last resort for uh, some pretty onerous behavior by the public. Yeah. Thank you. We're on to item eight. Committee member, alternates, any guest comments? I'm going to start. So I would just like to say how much I appreciate the information that was presented today. As uh, an elected local official, I don't have an engineering background. I don't have a water license. So to hear everything that this entire group is doing and what the city is doing, it's nice to have these updates so we understand what isn't happening and we know what is happening. So when we get questioned by our residents, I feel comfortable in saying, this is what is being done to protect your water so that it is safe. So I just can't say thank you enough and I appreciate everything that everyone is doing. Thank you. Good Merry Christmas, happy holidays to everyone. Thank you.
we have to get that all together. And so they've got to have cash flow and expenditures to get that coming. But the supply chain is so fair down like it is right now. Everybody's kind of stuck on an island. And when you're stuck on that island for 60 or 90 days, you've got to be able to operate. So that's where the cash flow issues are coming into play. Um, overall, I'll say that's typical of what we're seeing um, across the industry. Thank you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Any other comments from those online? Brett? I'm good. Thanks. Joe? I'm all set. Thank you. Okay. Uh, our next meeting is January 12th. At 8.30 a.m. Oh, I didn't go around here. Any comments, Peter? No. Um, Jim? Okay. Uh, just a bit of a thing to say. We talked about this earlier about the city budget. City budget is going to be being approved, presumably, by the city commission in January. It's required we do it before the end of January. It's the biggest budget for the city of Kalamazoo ever. It's almost $300 million. And a lot of it is being driven by our enterprise funds and the investment that's happening. So there's a big capital piece of that that's driving the size of the budget. But one thing I'm reminded going through these budget cycles is that you're going to have a $300 million budget and probably the preponderance of the discussion, either in the community or particularly on the commission, is probably going to be around $1 million or less you know, of the spending, whole spending spectrum, I would say. There just tends to be a human focus on some very granular items that might be, you know, the items of the day to talk about that kind of thing and kind of miss all the other stuff that's happening. I really appreciate your comments is that when I think about things and things that we're talking about, for example, equity, that kind of business, and I look at here and look at, you know, $100 million spent uh, on making sure replacing lead lines. I feel feel like that is a direct investment in the idea of equity, making sure that people benefit in an equitable way from what we're trying to do in, in terms of providing uh, safe water for everybody. And that means addressing issues that affect some of us and don't affect other ones of us. So anyway, it's just a lot of this work behind the scenes does, it, it's kind of just like, well, that just happens, but here's the thing I really care about. But that all said, when I hear about the things in the community that people really care about, uh, one, I'd say one of the top five things I've been hearing when you're just out and about, you stop in the grocery store, or wherever you are, it's water rate increases. I've been hearing about that for sure. Along with leaf pickup, which is risen to <laughs> number one in Kalamazoo and lack thereof. I'm sorry, James, but... The, we always love it when people are in the city out of the township. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, got a big snow dump on top of that yeah. process <laughs> here. But um, so, anyway, that said, I just think we're going to have to be cognizant of the narrative about this uh, because it has now got to the point. I think we're just one of those things that's sort of like it's just a small bill, it kind of went through. And now that the numbers are going up, people are recognizing that and have some concerns. So I don't know what our ongoing narrative and communication is going to be around that, but I uh, obviously we've got 23 set, but 
it's just going to be something we're going to keep hearing about it. Well, I just want to say, you know, I echo what Rich said to that, you know, I've, this has been a really good year, I believe, with the utility policy committee. Um, you know, this is something new for, for the region. Um, I think the intention here was for, let's all talk about these issues together and let's all share the information as, as the bottom line. And I think, I, I, you know, not speaking for James directly, but just for the city staff that, you know, this has been helpful and it, and it continues to be helpful. So I uh, just want to thank the utility policy committee, everybody else who's been chiming in. And I think overall we're making good decisions, hard decisions, like, like the mayor just said, but ones that are necessary and we're, we're making those decisions together. So I know this takes a lot of everybody's time. So thank you, everybody. Okay. Uh, I want to thank everyone and especially James for all the information today. I appreciate it. Uh, wish everyone a good holiday. So we've exhausted the agenda and we are adjourned. Yeah. 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 Yeah.